0: You're listening to The Green Country, a fantasy storytelling podcast where each episode introduces a new character, creature, or facet of this fantastical land. These stories follow the course of Queen Alyssa's centennial tour of her kingdom. Every 100 years, the long-lived monarch travels throughout her overgrown forest realm, meeting its inhabitants and seeing its sights. Join me each week as we explore a new and fascinating aspect of this lush, expansive world. You can learn more at www.thegreen.country, and I invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks for listening. keep. Chapter 6 Garin paused, eyeing the decrepit form of Cackerel, this phantom who had materialized on the bridge before him. His eyes were beady and sunken, and oily mustaches drooped to hide a skeleton's grin. Surely, this must be some hazy materialization, like the one before, a casting without true form thought Garen, as he squinted hard at the menace, who met his gaze with wile and hatred. A wicked, crazed mirth seemed to swell behind the necromancer's eyes, as though he were privy to Garin's musings. Come closer. Find out. The sorcerer's foul mouth had not moved, yet Garin heard these words as though they were carried on the breeze, a taint in the cool night air. His loathing for cackerel reached a crescendo, and he surged forward, raising high his sunblade goldmane, in a glittering ascent. He was halfway across the bridge when the sorcerer's lips parted in a grin of sick joy. The man's desiccated head crooked oddly to one side, and his putrid tongue danced behind blackened teeth as he incanted strange and blasphemous words with frightening rapidity. It was then that Garin caught the scent of decay on the wind, the smell of poisoned sweat and sinuous corpse flesh, and he knew that it was no specter who stood before him. It was too late for the red knight to halt his onslaught, and Cackerel's harlequin grin grew wider, for he knew this. With astonishing speed the wizard extended both his bony arms and gripping the rails of that high ancient bridge of twisted wrought iron he mouthed one final syllable from beneath his gnarled hands a wave of dark heat pulsed forth and the iron was suddenly infused with all the fire of a boiling star the wrought iron railings and walkway warped and distended entire sections dripping away in gobs of molten slag. One moment, Garin's foot pushed off sturdy, trusty metal. The next, it stepped through a crust of brittle, crumbling ash. The bridge was disintegrating, and Garin found himself falling. The impact sent an explosion of pain through his body, which was not what he had expected, for it meant he was still alive. His armor was shattered, and he felt the familiar, stabbing sensation that accompanied multiple broken ribs. His back was not broken. Something had softened his fall. His head swam amidst the heavy reality of pain that occupied his awareness, yet he was able to place his trajectory. He had landed atop the lattice cage of the mask birds, the heavy iron spirals which comprised the massive cage had crumpled under the force of Garin's impact. He struggled painfully to extricate himself from the tangle, but fell back, his body overwhelmed, his consciousness swooning. As darkness threatened the edges of his vision, he could make out a figure above him descending through the mist. The necromancer Cackerel appeared drifting down slowly on a gauzy cloud of sickly smoke. A vile brightness gleamed in the wizard's eyes, and Garin could tell that it pleased Cacarul to see his foe so broken, so helpless. The fetid conjurer alighted on the iron lattice of the cage with an uncanny nimbleness and stepped forward so that he hung over the prone knight. Cacarul surveyed the damage Garin had sustained in his fall and seemed pleased with his handiwork. He knelt down, bringing his withered, pasty face near to Garin's. Sweat beaded on Garin's face and dripped down to mingle with blood that sprang from his countless wounds and fissures. To Garin's horror, Cackerel reached out a bony hand, finger outstretched, and ran it across his feverish brow, gathering perspiration. He took this foul appendage to his lips and tasted of the sweat of his crushed foe, tasted of Garin's defeat. Manic eyes rolled upwards in deep skeletal sockets to stare into Garen. The reek of evil poured off of Cackerel, and Garin wished fervently some spirit would possess him at that moment so that he might smite the wicked stain who stood before him. "It's a shame that I cannot keep you alive a little longer," croaked the wan Spellweaver. "I would have liked to show you all the ways of pain I know." "This," he said softly, suddenly driving a bony fist into Garin's shattered ribcage with uncanny strength, "is a child's game. "'compared to the depths of suffering which I can inflict.' "'Cackerel stood, the warrior in red writhing in his shadow. "'Your green country and all its unspoiled riches await me. "'So now you must die.' "'From the greasy folds of a tattered silk robe,' The wizard produced an ebon wand which he raised high garin's eyes fell shut as weariness and defeat closed in around him though he could hear the shrill incantations of his nemesis garin spoke his own silent prayer to all that is good in the green country not for his own life but for the life and safety of the country itself the sky opened wide blanching suddenly to a field of whiteness, as a bolt of lightning cracked down from above, called into Cackerel's scepter. Channeled by hands that knew the language of storm cloud and thunderclap, the elemental force burst from Cackerel to strike Garin, engulfing him in a blinding storm of electricity. Garin's view faded into whiteness, and he passed from the world we know into another. He found himself standing in a field of dazzling light, though in it he could make out the faint shapes and outlines of trees, plants, and grasses. It was the green country, it was his home. Before him stood two beings, one whom he recognized, another he did not. The toad he had seen in Cackerel's study rested comfortably on the insubstantial ground, gazing up at him. With all the wisdom of a kindly sage. The other was an elfin woman, Clad in beautiful armor wrought with the finest details in green and gold. Chestnut hair fell about her shoulders in pleated strands, And she gazed at Garin with bright, joyful eyes. Everything about her spoke of a time long past, Of ages forgotten. Thank you, Garen Spirehelm, warden of the green country. The toad seemed to echo these sentiments with a deep and pleasant croak. Garen was at a loss for words, but finally managed to stammer. But I have failed. I am bested. Cackerel has defeated me, and I am dead. The woman's eyes smiled with such radiance as to disarm him, though truly he did think himself to have entered some afterlife realm. "'You have not died,' spoke the woman, her voice calm and sweet. "'You have set us free.' She gestured to the arcane toad, who gave a small nod of agreement. "'But I don't understand,' cried Garin, unnerved by the spectacle he beheld." Do not worry, good night. She reassured and reached out a hand to clutch his own. Her touch shattered Garin, and suddenly he could not bring himself to meet her gaze. His eyes beheld a spiraling filigree of tattooed lines which adorned her godly fingers and hand, and he thought of Alyssa Lannan. Slowly, he raised his face to behold this familiar stranger who smote him with her beauty, her bearing, and certitude. All will be set right. The sun will once more rise. All you need do is open your eyes. And so Garin did. A cocoon of lightning still enwrapped him, and it seemed only moments had passed, Despite the ferocious energy that crackled around him, it seemed to do him no harm. Though it sparkled and hissed across his skin, he felt only sensation, no pain. Amidst the elemental gyre, he could feel something else, a warmth that pulsed beneath the shattered red iron of his breastplate. He could scarcely make out the form of cackerel through the violent web of fulmination and he moved his hand beneath the armor to seek that which called to him with its heartbeat signal. He drew forth the wooden talisman he had scavenged from the corpse in the rookery, and was amazed to see that it glowed with all the warmth of a summer's sun. The mere touch of it instilled in him a great hope, and suddenly he knew that the woman from his vision dwelled within. As though inspired by divine purpose, Garen outstretched the wooden figure for Cackerel to behold. The knight's wounds no longer pained him, and though still enrobed in a living blanket of lightning, Garen's spirehelm rose to stand before the livid necromancer. The power that Cackerel drove into Garen with the hope of slaying him was now funneling away from the confounded sorcerer his evil essence transmuting into the healing light of a pure star. Impossible! sputtered Cackerel, and he quaked with rage. Garin stooped low and placed his potent hands onto the bars of the mask bird's cage. The muscles in his neck and arms stood out, quivering, as he pulled upwards with all his might. Imbued with the uncanny power of the talisman, his strength was that of a mountain, and he rent a section of the iron lattice clean from the cage, sending it hurling down into the mists below. cackerel had not moved, and now incanted a furious chant, some malefic spell to halt Garin's superhuman rebirth. Yet his power bled from him, and his words crystallized no effect. The queen's champion, that rugged protector of the green country, had stilled in himself and his eyes fell closed. The utterances of Cackerel fell on his ears like the protests of a noisome child and he ignored them. He drew in the deepest of breaths and in so doing called into his spirit all those things which he loved about the land he was sworn to protect. In his mind he saw the sad roost of the mask birds, decrepit and rank. Such beautiful and clever creatures abused and bent against the evil will of the man who stood before him. A wailing howl rose in Garin's throat and echoed upward through the sky where the sun's first light was beginning to appear. It was an animal cry. It was the haunting call of the mask bird carried on a man's breath. Cackerel had stilled in his fervent conjurations, frozen by the power of Garin's ululation. Even after he had fallen silent, the call echoed off the towers which rose above them and seemed to shred the mists that hung about them into nothingness. The world was still and silent, and in this space there was soon heard a cacophonous rustling the sound of a flapping whirlwind which grew with the certainty and intensity of a bursting dam. From the dark portal below them, a stream of birds poured forth to wheel forward, their dark, clear eyes already marking the gaping rent in their imprisoning cage. Awareness of defeat had penetrated the bloodthirsty zeal that had possessed Cackerel, and he hastily muttered some ill words and began to rise into the air. He ballooned weakly upward, and Garin made no move to halt his transit. He could see the first of the mask birds nearing its point of egress. They would know what to do. The first of the birds soared past Garin, a gleaming black blur in the air. The sun's rays were now dawning across the land, and he marveled at the lustrous blue sheen of the creature's feathers as they caught the morning light. It sped past Cackerel, who, still rising, flailed wildly in an attempt to avoid it. A shred of the necromancer's silk robe drifted down lazily, cleanly severed from the garment by the maskbird's blade-sharp wings. Within moments, countless more birds poured forth from the gaping hole, rising to swirl about the skyward wizard in a swarm of brilliant metallic blackness. Wails and curses echoed from the cyclone, and soon cries of pain. And then, the birds dispersed, and something wrecked and sorry fell downwards. A mutilated scrap "'plummeting towards the earth below. "'Garin came to sit on the iron roof "'of the avian prison he had liberated "'and gazed into the horizon "'where the sun now shone in its fullness. "'He suddenly remembered the wooden talisman "'and looked to his hand where it still lay. "'A light wind blew, "'and the carved form crumbled and collapsed in his palm "'to be carried away on the breeze.' There was a shimmer in the air before him, and the hairs rose on the back of Garin's neck. As though traced in the dawn light itself, he could see the faint outline of a woman, and he was certain it was she from his vision. Though he was weary, an instinct of respect and virtue drove him to stand before this strange goddess. She cast her eyes downwards to the place Cacarul had fallen, and a look of slight sadness and pity shone in the luminescence of her features. Then she spoke, and her voice was clear and beautiful, like a brook of cool, crystalline waters. The failure of evil is that all of its perversions are built from the elements of a world that is forever moving towards balance. All that evil has tainted and stolen in its attempt towards domination, will assert itself with inevitability, righting the imbalance and upsetting those ill plans into ruin. For those who act in evil create their own retribution and sow the seeds of their downfall with their every action. This is because good exists singularly of its own accord And evil may exist only in reaction, in defiance of good. Garin stood dumbfounded, at a loss for words, and could only gaze at the beautiful sage who hovered before him. Thank you, Garin, hero of the green country. Before he could stammer a reply, she continued with a gentle urgency. You must flee this place. The toad, he soon awakens. If you like what you just heard, be sure to visit www.thegreen.country for more great content, including beautiful illustrations, detailed character descriptions, and much more. The Green Country is also on Patreon, where a small monthly pledge will give you access to extra content, like an illustrated PDF of the story you just heard. Whether you back this project financially or simply share it with a friend, you can help this vibrant land continue to grow. Once more, that's www.thegreen.country. Thanks for listening!